Let's turn together in our Bibles this morning to the ninth chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll look at verse 12. The title of this lesson today, Christ the Great Physician. Matthew 9, 12. <clears throat> but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, we Americans have great concern for our physical health. And this is seen in the billions of dollars spent every year on health care and health insurance. This concern is seen in the ongoing debate in Congress over health care insurance and HMOs. What a blessing health is. Without it, we cannot enjoy life, and our duties are difficult indeed. Our spiritual health is infinitely more important than our physical health. Our text today deals with our spiritual health and the great physician who gives that spiritual help. In this ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord Jesus has saved a great sinner named Matthew, who in turn held a dinner and invited his friends, and the Lord Jesus attended. He invited him to attend. His friends, of course, included many publicans or tax collectors, and other noted sinners. In verse 11 of this chapter, the critical and self-righteous Pharisees had asked his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And the Lord's answer was intended to vindicate his own character and his own conduct and to reprimand those self-righteous Pharisees. And in his answer, the Lord talks about a physician and health when he says, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. In thinking about this text, let's consider, first of all, the disease to which the Lord refers when he says, They that are sick. The disease to which our Lord has reference here is sin. God's Word speaks often of sin as a disease or sickness. In Psalm 38, 7, for example, David is speaking of his sin when he says, My loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. Sin is an awful Disease. It's the oldest of all diseases. It broke out soon after the creation of man. God's Word gives a detailed diagnosis of this disease, and we're going to look at it briefly this morning. First, the disease of sin is universal. Every person without exception has this disease. Sin is equally affects all ranks and classes of men 
and no mere man ever lived without it. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Second, the disease of sin is pervasive. That is, every part of man is affected by it. Man's whole being is touched by this awful disease called sin. Sin permeates the whole nature of those who have it. Every person and every part of every person is tainted by sin. This is why we call it total depravity. Total depravity doesn't mean that man is as bad as he ought to be. I mean, as bad as he could be. But it does mean that every part of his being is corrupted and tainted by sin. Because of sin, the understanding is blinded. The will is perverted. The conscience is defiled. The affections are alienated from God, and the heart is deceitful. Turn to Isaiah 1, and we'll read verses 5 and 6 here. Isaiah 1, verses 5 and 6. This describes how sin pervades the whole being of man. It's using a medical figure. Look at the middle part of the verse. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even under the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores they have not been closed neither bound up neither mollified with ointment thirdly the disease of sin is hereditary it is passed on from parents to children generation after generation by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, says Romans 5.19. And in Adam, all die, says 1 Corinthians 15.22. Uh, all men, all of us were born with a sinful nature. Psalm 51.5 says that we are conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity. The children of sinners are always Sinful. Job 14.4 asks, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And then it answers its own question with, Not one. Fourthly, the disease of sin is contagious. It spreads easily from one person to another. Isaiah 1.4 says that sinners entice and seduce and corrupt others to sin when it calls sinners children that are corruptors. In 2 Kings 21.11, King Manasseh is said to have made Judah to sin. Manasseh hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Manasseh's idolatry was a sin that was infectious and it caused the people of Judah to sin. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. If we have close contact with and conversation with 
evil men, our own conduct will be corrupted. You know, my mother used to say, birds of a feather flock together. My dad said, you can't handle coal without getting it on your hands. One bad apple spoils the whole barrel. That's an old saying that's based on the contagion of sin. Fifth, the disease of sin is incurable, at least humanly speaking. Jeremiah 13, 23 has reference to sinful human nature when it asks, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? The obvious answer to that question is no. Six, the disease of sin is fatal. It ends in death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Sin results in death. Spiritual death now. And, if, and look at Ephesians 2.1. You've probably got that memorized, but it tells us about fact that we are now dead in sin. Sin results in death, spiritual death now. This is speaking to regenerate persons. And you have he quickened who were, before the Holy Spirit regenerated you, dead in trespasses and sin. So everyone's born dead, really, spiritually. Sin also results in physical death at the end of life. Have you ever just thought about why do I have to die? Why do my loved ones have to die? All men must die and will die sooner or later because all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. Finally, and speaking about death and sin, about this disease being fatal. Sin results in eternal death in hell after physical death takes place. Turn to Revelation 21.8. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. The scripture says here, but the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Sin is a fatal disease which, if not cured, will at last take a person to the second death in eternal hell fire. Sin is the worst of all diseases. Other diseases only kill the body, but sin kills both soul and body in hell forever. God's Word describes many symptoms of this awful disease. Turn to Romans 3, 12 through 18. Romans 3, 12 through 18. Here we read some of the symptoms 
of sin. This is speaking of sinners and thus of all men. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Those are awful symptoms of sin. Last of all, sin is a disease which deludes its victims. It deceives them as to the sinfulness of sin and as to whether they even have this ghastly disease. Thou shalt not die, sin says. Said that to Adam. Sin causes men to cry peace and safety when sudden destruction is coming. So delusive is this disease that the worse the disease is, the better the sinner thinks himself to be. Sin is a disease which is always raging, day and night, and in every location, according to Micah 2.1, sinners, quote, devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. They have eyes that cannot cease from sin says 2 Peter 2.14. So, we have seen some of the diagnosis of sin that's given in God's Word. But what we have seen of sin thus far does not present all the heinous nature of sin by any means. Sin is a disease, but it's far more than a disease. If it were only a disease, people who suffer from it should be pitied instead of condemned. Sin is a disease which brings guilt on the sinner. It causes God to be angry with the wicked every day. What an awful, terrible, horrible, ghastly, abominable thing disease, sin, really is. Well, the most important thing the Lord Jesus talks about in our text, however, is the physician. Let's look again at, at Matthew 9, 12, our text. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. The Lord Jesus represents himself here as a physician. Jesus Christ is the physician of souls. In the days of his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus was a physician because he was a healer. Turn to Matthew 4, 23. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of 
of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now look at Matthew 11, 5. Chapter 11 and verse 5. This is speaking of Christ's earthly ministry. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. The physician who can heal this awful disease of sin is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist says in John 1.29. This physician's name is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father according to Isaiah 9, 6. God's Word often speaks of Christ as the physician of souls. Exodus 15, 26 says that His name is Jehovah Raphi, meaning, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Turn to Psalm 103, and I'll read verses 2 and 3. Psalm 103 and verses 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. That presents the Lord as a physician. Isaiah thirty twenty six says of God's people that the Lord healeth the stroke of their wounds. God's Word gives us a detailed description of this great physician. First of all, it tells us that he is a certified physician. In today's medical world, there are quacks. Now, I remember at least twice growing up as a boy in Oklahoma City, men were arrested for practicing medicine without a license. They were quacks. They have either not gone to school to learn the healing arts or else they failed in their training and thus they have no license to practice medicine. Some time ago on his daily radio program, Paul Harvey told of a quack doctor who had no certification and was found to be using common kitchen utensils for performing surgeries in the home. A quack, not certified. There are also many quacks who claim to be spiritual physicians, but who have no certification from God. Christ, the great physician, has certification from God. He has a diploma stating that God sent him to heal. And this diploma or certification is found in Isaiah 61.1. Please turn to Isaiah 61 and verse 1. It tells us the Lord's about his certificate to practice medicine. Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up 
the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Jesus Christ is the only certified physician of souls. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, says Acts 4.12. You know, there's a lot of quack healers supposedly combining spiritual and physical healing. I had a friend in college, I may have told you this, but had a friend when I was college age whose name was Charlie Poor. And Charlie got, I, I'm from the polio generation, and he got polio. And it so disfigured him uh, it bent his backbone outward like that, so disfigured him that his head almost sat upon his pelvis. And uh, he didn't believe in Oral Roberts, but he wanted to try something. So he went and got in the healing line at the Oral Roberts Healing Crusade. And, uh, you know, the screener uh, took him aside and said, you can't go through the line. You know, his ailment was too obvious and uh, just showed that Oral Roberts was a quack. Secondly, Jesus Christ is a famous physician. The more famous a medical doctor is, the greater his patient load because a doctor's fame and reputation tend to build confidence in his skill in healing disease. In 1967, Dr. Christian Barnard, uh, the doctor who performed the first successful heart transplant, became world famous. The Lord Jesus Christ is a renowned physician, so famous that his name is above every name that is named, according to Philippians 2.9. The throngs in heaven sing of his fame when they say of him or say to him in Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. A great physician has a wide practice worldwide for 2,000 years. I'll make that 6,000 years. He has saved Jewish sinners and Roman sinners and Greek sinners and British sinners and German sinners and American sinners and Mexican sinners and Thai sinners. Because of this practice, he's famous and known as the great physician. I love that hint. The great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is a skillful physician. He knows what is in man. He understands all the difficult cases. He knows what sin does to a person, how it burdens the conscience, how it enslaves the sinner, how it takes him to hell at last. He knows the deceitfulness of the human heart 
that won't even let that heart admit that it is infected with this disease. No case can ever baffle this great physician. No case is too difficult for him. Is there anything too hard for me? He asks in Jeremiah 32, 27, the obvious answer to which is no. One of the Lord's names is mighty to save in Isaiah 63, 1. This great physician heals the worst cases of all. You know, we're tempted to think, and I've done this myself, and you probably have too, that some people are just too wicked to save. They're just too far gone. I tell you, I worked in that prison, and I thought, how in the world could the Lord ever save this far? But the great physician heals the worst cases of all. He saved King Manasseh after his wicked 52-year reign in Jerusalem. This wicked king's reign was characterized by murder child sacrifice, they burned their babies alive in Molech worship. It was characterized by astrology and idol worship and fornication. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6 and I'll read verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and I'll read verses 9 through 11. Here the Apostle Paul gives a partial list of some difficult cases which this great physician has cured. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the best part. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Some of you were adulterers and homosexuals and uh, thieves and covetous, but you've been washed in the blood of Christ. The great physician has cured your disease. The most skillful of doctors make mistakes, and mistakes can be costly and even tragic. A doctor's mistake was responsible for my 42-year-old brother's death. But Christ, the great physician, never makes a mistake. He is so skillful that as Psalm 147, 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Fourthly, this physician is easily accessible. Doctors today are often hard to get in touch with and hard to talk to if you do get in touch with them. And one, one has to wait sometimes for months to get an appointment. Have you ever had that experience? I, well, it, here it is, June. I can't get to you till November. 
Most doctors today will not make house calls. In fact, I don't know of any that will. I hear about them. But Jesus Christ, the great physician, is easily accessible. As a matter of fact, he is the most approachable being who ever walked this earth. You know, the Catholics make him difficult to access. You have to go through his mother in order to get him because he's too busy or go through the saints. Jesus Christ, the great physician, is always available. He's never too busy to take a sinner's case, night or day. This doctor is on call 24 hours a day. All a sinner has to do is give him a sincere call, and he never rejects patients who come to him. In John 6, 37, the Lord Jesus says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Fifth, this physician is compassionate. It's encouraging and helpful in recovering from disease to feel that your doctor really cares about your case. Christ, the great physician, really cares for the sinner's case. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmity, according to Hebrews 4.15. Sixth, this physician is eminently successful in his practice. Doctors of physical medicine vary many of their patients. Ultimately, they'll bury them all. But this doctor has a 100% success rate in his practice. He cures all of his patients always. He works a perfect cure on every patient that he treats. He makes people whole. He makes them clean. He makes them sound. He saves them from sin. The greatest of sinners have been perfectly cured by Jesus Christ. This great physician saved Saul of Tarsus, who said in 1 Timothy 1.15 that he was the chief of sinners. Seventh, amazingly, this physician does not charge for his work. Some doctors today are just too expensive for a lot of people to afford especially if one has inadequate health insurance. In the last few years, I have gone to specialists who at that time charged $75 and $100 just for an office call. Probably more than that now. A poor man just can't afford such expensive charges, but this doctor charges no fee. Jesus Christ, the great physician, heals freely. His work is without money and without price, as God describes it in Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. There's no charge for Christ's wonderful salvation. All a sinner has to do is go to him and be healed in his way. The Lord Jesus won't accept pay if it's offered. In fact, he will only cure those who cannot pay. Oh, there's no physician like Jesus Christ. 
He is the only physician for wounded, sin-diseased souls. He is truly the great physician. Well, let's look in the third place here at the medicine this physician uses. That is Christ's medicine for healing the disease of sin. Christ, the great physician, cures the disease of sin by applying a certain very potent medicine to the sinner. God's Word sometimes calls this medicine the balm, B-A-L-M, of Gilead. Balm was a fragrant gum or resin of a tree that grew mainly in Gilead on the eastern side of the Jordan River Valley in biblical Israel. And this balm was a famous remedy in many countries, and it was highly prized. Genesis thirty-seven twenty-five says that the Ishmaelites to whom Joseph's brothers sold him were going to Gilead, uh, from Gilead to Egypt with balm. The balm of Gilead is used in Jeremiah eight twenty-two to refer to the healing medicine of Christ, the great physician. Let's turn to that, Jeremiah 8.22. Jeremiah 8.22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? In short, the gospel balm is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is his blood that cleanses us from all sin, according to 1 John 1, 7. The great physician's cure is performed on the sinner by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing in heaven or on earth can heal the disease of sin but Christ's blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission of sin. Christ's blood is of infinite value in healing the disease of sin. Because it is, as Acts 20.28 says, the blood of one who is God. Christ's wounds must bleed in order that our wounds might be healed. It is with his stripes we are healed, according to Isaiah 53.5. Praise God today that there is a balm in Gilead and a great physician there. Now, it's very important that we consider before we finish this study of Christ, the great physician, the clientele of this great physician, that is, the patients whom he actually cures. Look at our text again in Matthew 9, 12. Back to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. The Lord's clientele is 
they that are sick. And this includes not just those who are diseased with sin, as all of Adam's descendants are, but those who are aware that they are diseased and thus in need of a physician. People who think that they're in good health will laugh when you urge them to go to a doctor. I know a man that's got all kinds of physical ailments and he refuses to go to a doctor. But let a man begin to feel the pain of his disease and to realize that that disease will result in his death and he will urgently go to a doctor and take whatever medicine the doctor prescribes. John Flavel, one of the Puritans, said that the world is a great hospital full of dying souls. Some are unaware of their condition and see no need of a physician. Others are deeply aware of and mourn and lament over their sin. In our text, he that is sick is the convinced and humble sinner. The publicans and sinners who came to Matthew's dinner were sick persons who needed a physician. It is need alone that motivates the great physician. He goes where healing is needed. His patients must deeply feel their disease. They must have conviction of their sin. And they must personally apply to this great physician. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, the Lord says in Isaiah 45, 22. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the great physician says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. The whole power of his cure depends on the sinner's confidence in him. According to your faith, be it unto you, the Lord said on one occasion. Christ, the great physician, allows none to perish who commit themselves to his healing spirit. And so, in conclusion, I would ask today, are you sick? today? Are you sinful in your own eyes? Are you saying today, Lord, I'm sick, I'm full of sores and wounds and pain because of my sin? There is a bomb in Gilead. You know, I, I love that old Negro spiritual. There is a bomb in Gilead. Sometimes I think they knew a lot more than we think they did. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Remember that song? There is a great physician. Why then has your health not been restored? Nothing but your own unbelief prevents it. Trust in this great physician to save you. Cry out with David in Psalm 41.4, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul for I have sinned against thee. Cry out with the hymn writer, Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace.